Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast. We are so excited today. We have Mary B. Safrit on the podcast. Um, a little bit more about Mary B. She's an author, producer, and singles coach passionate about closing the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Her book, The Single Christian's Church Survival Guide, How to Navigate Church Culture and Conversations Without Losing Your Mind, is available on Amazon, and you can listen to her podcast, Unsuitable with Mary B. Safrit, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at maryb.safrit. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I've been trying to do an icebreaker at the beginning of each episode. Um, and I was curious, I'm literally going through like a top 100 icebreaker questions. So you get the lucky <laughs> question of discussing where you'd want to live if you could live anywhere and why. Oh, this is a hard question. I feel like um, I I live in uh, New York City. Uh, both of us do. Actually, yeah. we just learned that we're like a block apart, yeah. which is <laughs> wild. Um, but uh, so, you know, it's kind of hard to answer this question because I already feel like I live in kind of the greatest city in the world. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I really like I grew up at the beach. And so there's a, a big part of me that misses being at the beach. Um, and so I think that uh you know if like certain logistical things in my life didn't matter um i would really love to be able to live near a beach um i yeah it's kind of a hard question for me to answer because there's like um yeah like geographically you know there's i i love now being in the northeast when i grew up in the southeast um and so i think yeah, it's kind of a tricky question to answer. And I'm yeah. like stumbling over answering it because it's a question I've been asking myself a lot uh -huh. <laughs> in the last like five years of uh, since I've, you know, been in New York. I'm like, OK, is this like the is this really where I want to be and how long do I think I'm going to be here? But if I weren't here, where would I go? Right. Um, and I think that like I don't have a better I don't have a good answer for like where else I would want to live. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be able to live in a place that I really love and and uh, see myself living for quite some time. Um, but I'm also like very open to living all sorts of places. I like am pretty adaptable. So um, but I love the beach and I love being able to explore whatever um, opportunities there are wherever I find myself. Uh, do you think that living in New York has ruined like other places for you? Right, or like even like city-wise? Yeah, yeah. I think like, I think there's certain things about New York that, that maybe have. Um, just the fact that I can live here and like not really need to have a car, um, that it's so walkable, that there's so much public transportation. Um, it obviously has its issues um, and we are quickly approaching like hot garbage season, as mm -hmm. I call it, where you just go outside <laughs> and it's so hot that it just smells like garbage and urine. Um, which is like, you know, not the funnest thing when you walk out your uh -huh. door. Um, but, but I think like, yeah, it's, 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 uh, just, it has everything. And so it's really, really hard to think about, like, when I think about potentially living in other cities, I'm like, but it's not, 
well, it's not New York. Like it doesn't right. have Broadway or it doesn't uh -huh. have this or it doesn't have that. And, um, you know, I think about all of the different opportunities that I've gotten because mm -hmm. I live here and the people that I've gotten to meet. Um, and it's just like, yeah, apples and oranges. Yeah. I think yeah. comparing it to other cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like every city I go to or visit or like to or even going back home now, I'm like, oh, it's like great for a weekend or it's great for a week. But then after that, I'm like, I need to be back in New York. And I was like, I don't know how I could ever leave New York. Like, I feel like I'm so yeah. spoiled here. I could walk anywhere or like take the subway. Like, yeah. absolutely incredible. But yeah. 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 And it's so, I mean, I'm like, you know, four blocks from my grocery store and uh you know there's just so much here and i'm you know just a few blocks from central park and from the metropolitan museum of art and all sorts of really wonderful stuff and i know that's not that's not true of like lots of places in the cities there are definitely food deserts and and um poverty and just all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. that's really not uh not great but um as far as you know my neighborhood and where i'm able to live there's there's just so much that's so close um mm -hmm. that it's really hard to think yeah. about giving that up uh -huh. yeah <laughs> yeah so to kind of launch into the actual episode and what we have you on the podcast to discuss would you mind just telling us yeah. a little bit more about yourself and kind of two-pronged one personal like who are you what are your passions but then also secondly why do you talk about singleness and why are you passionate about that sure yeah uh who am I I you know could go down a whole uh spiral here, an existential spiral here. I'm a, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, but I'm an oh, Enneagram yes. four. And so I just constantly delving the depths of who I am and all of that stuff um, is like my vibe. So you'll need to cut me off when I, when I get too far down that rabbit hole. Um, but no, I, uh, so I grew up in North Carolina uh, on a farm outside a really small town. Um, I feel like that, you know, uh, how I ended up in New York is its own kind of story and, and is, is part of like how I got into the singleness world. Um, but you know, personally, I, uh, yeah, grew, I lived in North Carolina for most of my life. I, um, sorry, hold on. I lived in North Carolina for most of my life. I went to undergrad and grad school there. Um, I did a year long missions trip. Um, between college and grad school um and that we went to 11 different countries in 11 months um so we went all around the world um i studied music in school i also was a young life leader young life is uh, an outreach organization for uh, high schoolers where we build relationships with them and tell them about jesus and they have different like events and stuff um and opportunities for uh high schoolers to come and and uh you know, connect with each other, connect with us and, and learn about God as well. Um, uh, as far as my faith background, um, I would say I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, it's been an ongoing process of just continually learning what that means and what that looks like. Um, I grew up going to, uh, my parents actually don't go to the same church. They, uh, they're married. They just, they just don't go to the same church. Okay. <laughs> um, they were, I think, already kind of very invested in their individual churches when they when they met and got married. And so they just kind of stayed there. And so I bounced back and forth a little bit between uh, my dad's Methodist church and my mom's Episcopal church. And they were like two blocks from each other in our little southern town um, and went to 
Catholic elementary and middle schools and then like was in the Bible Belt. And so there was just a lot of Baptists around generally. So it was a bit of a denominational kind of uh, smorgasbord for yeah. me or like melting pot. Like I was really able to kind of bounce around and and have this posture of like really um, really being able to appreciate what different denominations and different ways of following Jesus uh, bring to the table and kind of what some of the commonalities were. And I think that's a posture that I've tried to carry that curiosity of something that I've tried to carry, um, for most of my life. Um, you know, I would say that, uh, yeah, I don't know how testimony ish you want this to get. I can tell you some of my, <laughs> my personal growth and like sin struggles and all of that kind of thing. Um, but like, just as far as who I am as a person, I'm, uh, I like really, man, I've been following Jesus for my whole life and he's just been so good and so kind to me. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of really hard stuff that I have uh, walked through with him, um, but he's really like just been so faithful in who he's brought into my life and in how he's cared for me and in the opportunities that he's presented to me. And I always like feel so fortunate to have been able to, um, I don't know, I'm a person who who does things, who like uh, you know, anxiety is something that I live with and have lived with for probably my whole life um, before I even knew what it was or knew what the name of it was. Um, and so at some point kind of decided I didn't, that if I, that it was something that could kind of make my decisions for me um, and just take my life in a direction I didn't want it to go. Um, and, you know, really made a choice at a certain point to, you know, if the anxiety was going to be there regardless, then I might as well kind of go for it. Um, and I've I've had a lot of really awesome adventures, um, including, you know, having the opportunity to move here to New York, um, which I did six and a half years ago. So, um, yeah, that's that's a little very uh, high level <laughs> view of of my life and who I am um, as far as how I got into uh, the singleness space. Um, I moved to New York six and a half years ago to be a singer. Actually, I studied music in school um, and had the opportunity to move here uh, because of a teacher who I studied with during a summer program. Um, I did not know anybody pretty much when I moved here. I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't know what I was doing or what I was going to do, but I like moved here and I was like, this is the time in my life when I can try this. Mm -hmm. And if I hate it, I'll just move after my lease, my lease yeah. is over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like, I'll go for it. Um, ended up loving it. I did, um, very quickly get burnout with the whole audition, um, circuit and, uh, really didn't have a great relationship with my voice and, um, it, it was, uh, I very quickly kind of realized that I, um, kind of the reality of the life of a singer was not what I wanted. Um, and also like had gotten to the point where I'd just been like studying it so much and, and, and putting so much pressure on my voice that I really didn't like singing anymore. Yeah. Um, like really was, had just had a, an incredibly hard time forcing myself to even practice mm -hmm. um so took a step back sort of an involuntary step back i was struggling with depression at the time as well um 
back in therapy. Um, it was a very tumultuous time where I was just kind of, yeah, quarter life crisis-y kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where I was like, what? I don't like, this has been the thing I've been working for for so long and I like physically can't make myself do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I supposed to do? And so through kind of the therapy process, I started writing and, uh, um, I, uh, just as a way to, you know, uh, get some of these thoughts and ideas out of my brain and my body and just onto the page in a way that I could, could just put words to all of this stuff I was feeling. Um, and one of the pieces that I wrote was a very, very chaotic essay, um, on dating and sex and mostly like me being very awkward about talking about both of them and also i was like not dating at the time (laughs) i had been on like one date in the like past decade you know as of writing that so Uh it was i don't know how i got so many words about dating when (laughs) it was not a thing i was doing and sex was not a thing i was having Uh but there were a lot of words about it and a lot of feelings about it um and i uh was like maybe i can do something with all this writing i showed it to a friend and she was like hey i think you should look into like maybe writing a book about about singleness and mm-hmm. you know the idea kind of hasn't let me go since then i it's all it's uh yeah a topic that i think uh is endlessly fascinating and very compelling um the more i the more i dig into it um you know from a very practical relational perspective from a very personal perspective and how uh, this work has shaped me and you know from a spiritual and theological perspective as well I think that there's just a huge a huge uh, a huge well of of just spiritual and life richness uh, Mm -hmm. in this way of experiencing life um, that I think is largely untapped Um, and I just I love I love, love, love serving single people. I think they're just the best. Oh, that's incredible. And I also love, so on your Instagram, and I'm not sure about any of your other like social medias, but you talk about how you're filling this gap between what Christian singles need and what the church is offering. And you have such mm-hmm. a diverse background when it comes to church and denominations, and you can really speak to all of those. So I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been very fortunate and have that I've had a, a largely positive experience in the church. Um, and I also think that, you know, I did grow up in the South. And so there was a lot of evangelicalism just kind of in the water. But um, a lot of my experience was not in the evangelical church. And so there's some stuff like I think especially about singleness that's very wrapped up in um purity culture and this sexual prosperity gospel and and this kind of uh um model of like a a insular self-sustaining nuclear family unit Mm -hmm. being like this ultimate thing that we are supposed to want and have as christians Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of that that i i i internalized in my own ways but was not being reinforced in a lot of the environments that i was in very fortunate like i was definitely you know um uh, encouraged and had uh, gifts called out in me, leadership gifting, stuff that had absolutely nothing to do with relationship status, but that was just about who I am as a person um, and the the way that I um, was made as a person. Um, which, and I, I really appreciate that. And I, I want I want the church to be the kind of place where everyone has that experience. 
Yeah. And I think so often when either people like write to us to talk about singleness, or we do have discussions of singleness, like within the church, on the podcast and within friendships, often it comes down to longing um, and Mm -hmm. people's desire to be in relationship or like not wanting to be single anymore and not being fulfilled being single. Um, And you have a post that really stuck out to me on longing. um, And I think it's like such an important way to start the discussion. Do you mind if I read out the post that was on your Instagram? Yeah, go for it. Okay, perfect. So it says, I think when we're able to connect with that feeling of longing, instead of rushing through it, um, allowing it to deepen in us, our understanding of what it is to be human, how God made us and the beauty in that there's so much depth and richness that there is that are there that is really hard to sit with because it's uncomfortable. But if we don't sit with it, then we've missed the invitation in the longing. It's the weird tension of being a human person where this thing that we hate so much is ultimately a thing that can really deep it, deeply connect us to each other because it is ultimately a quintessential human thing. And I just absolutely love this and having to sit in the longing and also like that we were given the desire and the longing um, and that it does connect mm-hmm. us with each other and it does allow us to grow in our faith and with God and like just in relationship in general. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just like curious, you know, like what was your experience with that? Like, why do you write to this aspect of longing? Like, what has that like looked like for mm-hmm. you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on, on a really personal front, I think that I have a, a bit of a tricky have had a tricky relationship with my feelings in general and especially quote unquote negative feelings um, or feelings that are less desirable or comfortable or whatever. Um, And longing is one of those feelings because there's there's a vulnerability in it. Right. It's this this thing where I am I am longing. I am deeply desiring something that I might not have control over whether I get that thing or not, Mm -hmm. um, whether that thing happens or not. You know, we can have a longing on a relational level, you know, when we're talking about singleness, that that can be the case. But there's also like a longing for justice and these mm-hmm. deeply entrenched yeah. systemic issues that are so much bigger than than me as an individual. Um, and and all and yet it still deeply impacts me as an individual It impacts my neighbor um, in very particular ways. And so, you know, when we think about longing, um, I think like it's really easy for me to view it as something negative or something that is indicating that there's something wrong with me and I need to fix it in order to get rid of this feeling. But when we, I think that there's like another way to maybe relate to our longing. Um, And I think like, not only is it a quintessentially human thing, um, and, you know, a byproduct of this kind of incompleteness of this world that we're living in, or in, I don't know, I don't know if incompleteness is the best way to, the, the, the story of, you know, what God's doing in this world is not over, we'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's that gap that means that inherently we're going to have longing on any number of levels and multiple mm-hmm. levels at once that we experience as humans whether we're single whether we're married whether you know what whatever our life experience um but i also think that it's it's important to remember that like longing i think that long i see longing as part of the image of god in us 
yeah. right? God is deeply relational. God is is three in one, is an inherently relational being. Um, and if you think about why we were created, um, that God didn't make us, you know, to have like slaves to do stuff that he wanted, but to be with us and God's deep desire to be with us and longing for us. It's the Bible's full of it, absolutely full of it. Um, and, and it's this, this deep passion that God has for being with us, um, in, in this desire for a uh, relationship with us. Um, to the extent that Jesus came and 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 was one of us incarnated, um, you know, and lived lived a human life. And so, you know, if Jesus lived a human life, Jesus experienced longing and in all sorts of ways. We see him weeping over Jerusalem. Um, we see him weeping over uh, his friend Lazarus. Um, you know, we just see this this feeling kind of manifested in so many ways. And it's this deep expression of 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 love and, and desire for shalom and rightness and completeness and wholeness um, in ways that we do not have at the moment. Um, and so I think that like longing, the invitation and in longing for me is that it, it reminds me not only that I am human and that this desire is a good human desire sorry, this, the longing <laughs> reminds me that I'm human, but it also reminds me that this is like a good part of how I was made, that it urges me to continually be thinking outside of myself while I am thinking about like this feeling of longing, like, um, there's the invitation, the very good invitation to allow that feeling to deepen uh, the intimacy that I have with myself, with God and with, with others, um, and with my community. And I think like, you know, if we can maybe, <laughs> if we can all just like, uh, look at, uh, acknowledge that this is, this is a huge part of the human experience. Um, then there's that sense of companionship that I think would maybe mitigate some of the pressure that we put on marriage to be right. the answer to mm -hmm. this longing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I think about longing. Yeah. I think it's also interesting, like the point you just brought up about how often like marriage is seen as the solution or that like it will like make us complete or like it'll complete our feelings mm -hmm. or like we won't be anxious anymore if we are in a relationship or there's all of these yeah. things. Um, and I feel like I've seen that in myself, but then I've also kind of seen the church advertise marriage as a solution or like mm -hmm. marriage is the only end goal or, yeah. you know, there's all these different things. And I'm curious, like with kind of, I'll say like your motto or slogan, or not sure what exactly to call the phrase, but <laughs> bridging that gap between what the church is offering and what singles need. How do you see that like playing out in churches or even churches you've been in, or just the church in a broader area? How do you see that playing out? And then how do you see conversations that need to happen bridging that gap mm. yeah i think um there's definitely a lot of pressure on uh singles to get unsingle as quickly as possible and i think if singles kind of express any sort of relational lack a uh, solution would typically be maybe not always but typically be you know uh basically how to how to get unsingle like right. dating advice or you know any number of things um and i think like um 
yeah, how we, I think that like so much of it is, is not even explicit in advice that singles given singles are given of course that is a thing mm -hmm. um but it's also in like some of the in i'll say the lack of imagination we have when it comes to relationships and yeah. church and in, in church um and you know an example of this would be a, a married pastor who's also a parent is preaching on love and they say something like you know, I didn't really understand God's love until I became a parent um, or any sort of analogy they make about or story they tell about, you know, God's love. It's like, um, you know, maybe making it a little more concrete or approachable by telling a story about their marriage. Um, and it's it's not a story about friendship. It's not a story about like, I don't know, vocation and calling mm -hmm. necessarily or yeah. or any number of other kinds of relationships mm -hmm. um, that we're created for. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's not just the explicit singles need to get married, uh, you know, so that they can stop bugging us about <laughs> about like the ways that we're not meeting them in mm -hmm. community. Um, and 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 being this spiritual family that that the the body of christ has promised that it is um you know it's also the implicit implicit in the lack of um models and the lack of robustness in how we think about human relationships and how we talk about it from up front and and with each other um you know on a more kind of corporate church level yeah yeah um so it's kind of a segue kind of off topic kind of still on topic um <laughs> so I think it was with an you had an episode with Joan Watson mm -hmm. and there was like a post about it that was talking about how lots of times it's scary to admit that like we have this like desire or like we mm -hmm. want like this type of love because often like we think that God's going to ask us to give it up or like that'll be a sacrifice mm -hmm. and I guess one, like, I feel like I've personally felt that so many times. And like, I kind of just like, I feel like I'm kind of like a pendulum person where I'm like all on one side and then I like go up to the other side. And it's like a fight to like keep in the middle and be like, okay, like God's good. Like he knows the desires for heart. And then you're like, nope, he's going to ask me to give it up. And it's like, oh no, he totally will give it to me. So yeah. I like go back and forth, but I'm curious if you could just speak to that a little bit more. And if you, like, you've seen that like common throughout other singles um, in like Christian faith or Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that um, this maybe is going to sound like it's not answering your question, but, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to get there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the big problems here is maybe seeing seeing marriage or like any any sort of uh, desire or whatever as an achievement mm -hmm. that we maybe earn. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the reality is it's something that we don't really have all that much control over. Um, you know, we can be doing all the quote unquote right things and, and never get it. Or, you know, we can <laughs> be like, go on one date and that's, you know, get, get married to that person. Right. Um, not that I would recommend that. No, I, I mean, get, go on one date and realize that's, and, you know, right, continue right. dating that person for an appropriate yeah. amount of time is what I mean. <laughs> right. And so I think that like, 
something that I've noticed in myself and in, in its own ways is this, this kind of desire for some sort of algorithm that is like a formula for security. Um, and, uh, when it comes to like, when it comes to, uh, the desires of our heart, uh, whatever they may be, um, you know, I, I think it's hard to, we have this idea that maybe, maybe I'll speak personally. Um, you know, I can be afraid that loving something too much means that I'm like making an idol out of it or something like that. Um, you know, especially when we think about longing and, and things that are very human and normal for us to long yeah. for, you know, like we might attribute that feeling of longing with, a a like, Oh, I must be idolizing this mm. like very normal human relational desire right. to have. And I'm not speaking necessarily specifically about marriage. I'm just speaking more generally about like human beings and relationships um you know there's this this fear that maybe like that i'm bordering on idolatry and that's like why god's gonna make me give the thing up or like our theology of suffering you know is is that god like wants us to suffer because suffering produces character and all of that stuff that paul talks about which is true um but you know we maybe have this fear that ultimately God does not want us to experience any kind of happiness that God wants us to suffer because it's good for us that God wants, you know, um, like <laughs> that God is, is a parent who, um, is like this mysterious, God is mysterious, but that God is a parent who is just constantly disciplining us versus like being able to see God as, um, God delighting in us, hmm. is God de delighting over us, is God looking on us with delight, you know, thinking about God wanting to give us good gifts. And, hmm. and like, I think there's a fear maybe that, uh, that if we want something too much, God's going to ask us to give it up. Hmm. Um, and like, maybe that's true, but maybe it's not true. For me, sometimes I'm more afraid that God's actually going to give me the thing I want. And I, I'm like, I don't know how to like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that because I mm -hmm. can't just be happy with something, right. you know, I got to like make a problem and, you mm -hmm. know, build character and all, all of this kind of stuff. So I think that it's like it's there's a few different components to it. And Joan talks about it so beautifully in um in that episode. It's season seven. I want to say episode three. Um, the Misunderstood Art of Waiting. Um, and she has some really, really incredible things to say about that as well. So I definitely recommend hearing her thoughts on that too. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I know for me, I was like, as I was researching like singleness this week and like really thinking about it in preparation for this episode, I was doing like a lot of self-reflection and mm -hmm. I was like, what are like my views of singleness, but then also like of my singleness because I yeah. am single right now. And like, how do I feel about that? Like, how do I think yeah. the church has like presented that to me? And I feel like I kind of had these like kind of two prongs because I would love to be married. Like I want to have like five children, like <laughs> can't wait to have kids someday and like be married, all of that. I also like sometimes get super lonely. And I think you probably know, like living in New York, it can be isolating at times. And like, yeah. it can be really hard to find community 
easy to like if you need to but like it can also be like very isolating and so I do have the desire to like just even just like be in a dating relationship you know but then also I think for so long my singleness has been like a source of pride in the fact that like Mm -hmm other people will get married. Like a lot of Christians, you know, get married in their early twenties and they're like, yeah, you know, we are finally able to save up for this or this, or like do this together. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, well, I've done that like as a single like woman, you know what I mean? And I yeah. feel like it's been like, uh, I have to like prove myself, but then also yep. I find a lot of pride in being able to be single. Um, yeah. and it's been something like over the last week, I'm like, oh my word. Like, I don't think I actually realized that, like, that's how I've like felt about it. Like mm. kind of two pronged, but then I also feel like the pride often comes from the insecurity of being single and feeling yeah. like I do have something to prove because I'm not like quote unquote like whole, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just been like very interesting this week, like reflecting on all of this and being like, wow, I need some self-work <laughs> as we like go out. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's like a really uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to sit with. And that's maybe why we don't um, because right. a lot of these, these narratives and these ideas they're really deeply entrenched and because marriage is kind of the normalized experience they're not necessarily challenged or stirred up in a way that we're invited to or modeled in how to sit with them um and i think like doing this work has definitely had the same effect on me where i've like had to get very real with myself about some of the stuff i think and um you know there is that kind of uh i don't know we'll say like bootstrappy capitalistic Mm -hmm. idea of like because i'm not the ideal thing Mm -hmm. uh i'm not on the quote-unquote ideal path in my culture i need to prove my place in this culture Mm -hmm. i need to prove to myself and to the people um who i think have these perceptions of me that i am not all of these things that they think that i am Mm -hmm. um and that's actually uh something that i'm hoping to write a book about um which is like kind of getting really honest with ourselves about like, I, you know, for all of these different reasons and in all of these different ways, I feel like my place in the church, my value in the church is contingent on my usefulness, Hmm. right? Like, because I'm single, I need to be over committing myself to volunteering because, and and to prove like, and, and to, um, you know, not just prove my place, but also to like build relationships and connect with staff people so that I'm actually seen in my community and actually have a shot at being known in my community. Um, You know, like I, there's this, this like deep, very human, like it's a, it's just, it's a human belonging thing, like Mm -hmm. for human beings who are deeply social and, and cultural um, to, to say like, I I need to show up in this particular way so that I will be accepted, um, even though how my life is right now is not the acceptable thing. So how are all of these, how can I kind of subconsciously counteract these this idea that I am like inherently less mature because I'm single or that I'm selfish uh, because I don't have to think about a kid, um, you know, any number of things. And it, and it really can impact how how authentic we can be in our communities. Um, And like, I mean, I, you know, even personally, you know, have like taken like major steps back um, as far as what I'm like, how I'm volunteering at my church, because I realized that I was doing that, that I was, you know, like 
overextending myself and like being a high initiative person anyways, but like feeling like if I'm not doing absolutely everything that I can to prove that I belong here, Mm -hmm. then like nobody's going to notice if I just don't show up one Sunday, then like I'm not really going to be seen or known in this community that I so desperately need and want and, and uh, desire. Um, And so I think it's, it's challenging to shift into a posture of, right, uh, of um, proving our place versus living into our place. Because the reality is, we have a place in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are members of the body of Christ. That's not to say that, you know, our cultural reality isn't what it is. Um, it, it very much is. And the perceptions are what they are, but like ultimately, right? Like that, that place that we have in the body of Christ, whether we are part of a local church or not, Mm -hmm. um, that's irrevocable, right? That's, that's based on my rebirth into the family of God, which is a spiritual reality that my circumstances aren't going to change. Um, and so what does it look like to kind of live in a way that pushes back on that instinct to prove my place? And and what are the ways that, you know, Jesus is inviting me to do less yeah. so that I can show up more fully um, and more joyfully in my community? So I think this kind of goes into... So we had a question from one of our listeners that says, what mm-hmm. to do, what do I do when the waiting period is longer than expected? And mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you have any advice or tips or even things that you've done, like you were talking about in kind of self-reflecting on that and like realizing things that you were doing or like weren't doing because of this or trying to prove yourself, what are some like tips or like advice that you would have for someone who like, you know, does desire that, but isn't there yet? Like how, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's about getting honest about what I'm waiting for. What are the things that I think marriage is going to do for me that I can't do right now? Because the reality is like our lives are now our lives are happening now. And, um, you know, if I granted there are are things that, you know, like sometimes there are things that hmm, no, I don't want to say that. Um, I think that, yeah, getting honest with what we're waiting for. So if it's like finances, right? Like, oh, I'm waiting until I'm married to like figure out how to invest or figure out how to like save for retirement or, you know, if it's traveling, like I'm going to wait. I really want to go to this place, but I'm going to wait and do that when I'm married. You know, what are what are the or like I just really want the intimacy of being known and really like having someone there you know just like getting really honest about what it is we're waiting for and then like inviting like the spirit to to kind of help us be creative about ways that like god might already be providing those kinds of opportunities um just not in the way we think that they're going to look or the way we think they should look um i've learned so many relational skills through friendship that I really thought I would only get a person would only get through marriage. Um, you know, I've like 
been able to travel quite a bit with friends, um, really good college friends who like I've been fortunate to stay connected with over the however many years, decade plus that we've <laughs> been out of college, you know, so it's like, um, really like taking a step back and, and prayerfully considering like, as I said, what am I waiting for? And are there ways that God is like inviting me to go all in and in the life that he's actually given me? What are the things that are in my right now life that are, are opportunities and invitations? Um, what are the ways that God's meeting me through my friendships? What are the ways that God's meeting me through my loneliness and longing? What are the ways that as a single person, I embody the gospel that is very different from how a married person might be living out the gospel? And how is that like unique and special and wonderful? Um, you know, I think that like we can attribute all of these negative words to singleness. And, and I think waiting can be one of them. And waiting assumes that that singleness is temporary when like the kind of more eternal reality is is that marriage is temporary right like human marriage is temporary um and so i think there's like all sorts of shifts in perspective um that god kind of can can use our lives to facilitate um and really it's not going to make some of those harder realities of singleness go away but i don't think that like I think that we're so used to maybe seeing singleness as a thing to be cured um, or like seeing our lives as so, as so optimizable that we yeah. will somehow be able to fix our lives so that we arrive and never experience any hard thing again. Um, I think that singleness is a very unique invitation to push back against some of those, some of those narratives that just aren't true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so our next questioner from a listener is, um, do you have any advice for finding Christian community while being single? It feels mm -hmm. like all the married young professionals flock together at church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is uh, uh, something that, uh, gosh, it was Henry Abuto, um, season eight, talked a lot about this in a really, really wonderful way. Um, Henry is uh, gay and celibate. And so his, his, uh, for anyone who is living that life like the role of friendship is like huge and he also lives in texas and so it's like he's like yeah. uh, so many of my friends are married and like so he has a really beautiful um uh, or a really great just the way he tells his story of finding community and his struggles to find community are really relatable but also like have a lot of really great tidbits so i would point anyone in the direction of that episode um it's really great but to answer the question here and now, um, you know, I think that uh, um, we can't control if another person wants to spend time with us or not is mm -hmm. the first thing I want to say. So the onus is not 100% on me as a single person to finagle my way into a married person's life. Um, you know, relationally, we need each other. We need people whose lives look different than ours. And um, it's the human tendency to flock towards sameness, but the reality is like, we're better when we can appreciate each other's differences and how God, uh, how God is imaged, particularly in those differences. Um, 
but yes, I mean, you know, I can talk about different ways, uh, different, you know, strategies for, um, pursuing friendship and, and taking initiative and all sorts of things. But I mean, I also like want to say at the end of the day, um, it's not a hundred percent on you to like force to like make these things happen. I think there's a lot to be said for mutuality and reciprocity in friendship. Um, so like, you know, if you, if you are wanting to build relationships with people who are coupled, um, at your church, I think there's ways to do that, but I wouldn't necessarily force it. Cause I think that can be a, a pretty, an exercise yeah. in, in frustration. Yeah. Um, but if there are kind of some existing levels of relating to, mm-hmm. to, um, people who are married, um, you know, like there are all sorts of stuff that you can, all sorts of, uh, you know, activities that you can be involved with if you're okay with like being the lone single person there, Um, you know, whether you're like volunteering for different things or like, you know, a lot of single people are expected to volunteer with kids ministry. And so you're having that connection with, with um, the parents of the kids Um, or like, you know, a different, like a service opportunity at church or different volunteer teams that you can be part of. Um, you know, there's all sorts of ways of, um, spending time, like, like, uh, facilitating those kind of long-term regular interactions with people that can build friendship. And I think it's a matter of, um, if there is that mutuality and reciprocity, a matter of maybe just being a little bit more intentional in our questions, you know, like asking maybe, slightly deeper questions and not just relying on small talk or like seeking someone out or who's like you know we maybe want to get to know a little bit deeper asking someone for coffee or to go get drinks um you know uh, inviting the couple over for dinner or inviting ourselves over for dinner (laughs) you know um depending on the level of relationship Mm -hmm. um but i i will say that like um yeah, I want to reiterate that the onus is not all on you as a single person because yeah. you don't have to like consider another person's schedule or any other number of narratives that are put right. onto single people when it comes to developing relationship with married mm-hmm. people and and families. Uh, and then kind of to wrap up the episode, um, do you have any final thoughts or advice you'd like to share and or resources that have helped you mm-hmm. on this journey? Oh, and you feel free to shamelessly plug your book and podcast here as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think like, as far as advice, um, I just, I never want to come on a podcast like this without taking a moment to, to tell single people and reiterate to single people the deep, deep value that they have. Um, as they are where they are, not contingent on their usefulness or marriageability, but exactly right where they are. Um, They are so deeply valued. They embody the gospel in a really particular and beautiful way. They image God in a really particular and beautiful way. Um, And, and even, you know, uh, live life like Jesus in a very particular way, because Jesus was also single. Um, And so I always want to, uh, kind of it's a very general thing and i'm i'm hoping to release a full-length manuscript that goes into a lot more detail on on some of these things but i always want to take the opportunity 
to say for the record singles you are valued as you are where you are i'm a big fan of all of all single people and i think that there's just so much potential for single people to have a radical impact on the church if the church would just kind of you know let us be in leadership and all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. um so there's that um a resource uh i i have a podcast um where i interview single christians about their lives and faith in order to broaden the conversation on singleness in the church we just wrapped up a season on uh purity culture sexuality and singleness and we are about to kick off season 10 which is going to be very very practical we've got an episode on solo travel we have one on spiritual direction i just recorded one today on how to get the most out of therapy um and so we have all sorts of fun stuff lined up for season 10. um and you know if you're looking for a little freebie it's wedding season um and i have a little free resource downloadable with journal prompts um if you have a friend who's getting married and you're having big feelings about it um it just kind of walks you through some of those feelings so that you can kind of uh you know get honest about them and acknowledge them and accept them so that they don't come out sideways in weird ways on the day of um and really set yourself up for uh to be present and um joyful and uh manage your feelings um a little bit better so that's available at marybesafer.com it's on the home page um also at the link in my instagram bio perfect and then again if people missed it at the beginning how can they reach out to you connect with you what social medias are you on yeah i'm on instagram and tiktok at maryb.safrit um you can also follow my podcast on instagram at unsuitable podcast um dm me would love that um if you you know get that free downloadable you're automatically signed up for my email list and if you hit reply to any of those emails it comes straight to my inbox and i personally will answer it um i really love being able to interact with people um we also have a a patreon uh, as well for our podcast so if you're looking for like extended episodes and all sorts of bonuses but also a community and and a different level of access to me um those tiers start at five dollars a month and that's at uh, patreon.com slash unsuitable incredible well thank you so much mary b for joining um, me on the podcast it was such a great conversation i can't wait for people to listen to this um when it's finally out and as always if anyone has any questions comments or concerns they can email at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com or find us on instagram at theholyship.podcast thanks for listening